0: Good day, everyone. Happy Sunday. It is I, Lisa Ann Jael, coming to you on today's segment, Talking Faith with Lisa Ann Jael, And today's session is called, eh, I didn't want to be redundant, say <laughs> segment again. But it's called Faith, Fathers, and Forever. Faith Fathers and forever. I'm going to get right into it. By the way, this this podcast is for the for the brothers. It's for the it's for all ages, young and old, middle aged, and whatever your nationality, whatever your race, this podcast is for you. It's a very special podcast. And we're going, we're going to cover a number of things. We're going to cover everything from relationships to marriage to sex to single life to uh, just a number of things. And it's relative to both uh, the young ones and the mature audience. Now, I'm going to do this in two parts. So the first part uh, is it's probably, you know, I hope you blocked me out of, you know, I hope you kind of scheduled me for about 45 minutes. That came out wrong. <laughs> it came out wrong. I a calendar me in, uh, you know, listening to this podcast. I'm just letting you know. It's it probably about 45 minutes. Listen. Hey. It's it's going to be the first Because usually I try and do it under a half hour You know, you don't want to listen to me all day (laughs) So I'm going to get right into it Faith, fathers, and forever Now men are The four P's not usually, but they are. Now, I'm going to do this a little backwards. I'm going to first start with the marriage portion and then work my way back to, to and speak with those who are now single. Now, the four Ps. Men are the four Ps in a, in a marriage. They are the penis, the protector, Provider and or provision. And the priest in the home. I'll say that again. They are the four P's. Men in a marriage. Penis. Protector. Provider slash provision. And the priest in the home. Now starting with. The first one. <laughs> I don't want to keep, <laughs> you know, starting with the first one. Penis. Yeah, I don't mean to be graphic, but you know. Now, before I break it down, let me give you a little foundation. Before you execute, before you initiate a relationship, you should actually speak to God. Give him a holler. It could be very informal. You know, yo, God, is she good? I'm going in. I'm about to propose. I'm, I'm about to, I'm, look, she, I noticed this in church. I, listen, I know her from work. Is she good? Now, the Bible says, he who findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and has found favor from the Lord. Paraphrased. And it could be very informed. It could be very quick. Listen, we're we about to get married. Are you sure she's good? Listen, we're walking down the aisle. Are you sure she's good? Listen, I'm about to put this ring on. Okay, he's about to announce this. <laughs> so you want to check with God, and i tell you why. If you have not going to God on your own behalf in reference or regarding the person you were dating or the person you're now married to, I guarantee you that marriage is work and it's very hard. Either it didn't last or you're, you're still, you know, you're, you're still together. Think, you know, it's a good thing. Married God honors marriage, but it is work and it is very, the relationship is very hard. Now, if your marriage is work, most likely you did not marry your soulmate. Now, I, now with this statement, let me give you support of scripture. As I define soulmate. So soulmate is a person. Who was specially and specifically designed for you. And you specially and specifically designed for her. No one else would do. And the relationship is God ordained and God orchestrated. And God's fingerprints is all over it. God's fingerprints are on your marriage certificate. Now you say, well, how, do, how can you say that? And that's a good question. Because the Bible says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Anything that hurts is not God. And God does all things well and perfectly. He's a perfect God. He does not make mistakes. And he knows how to bring two people together at the right time, at the right place, in the right moment, and have that potent, the potency you go, the potency you have when you first go into the relationship. He knows how to make he knows how to make it last. To put it in layman terms, you don't love them today and not tomorrow. This is not love, this is not marriage. God does not make mistakes, so to say that, because I've heard ministers say on the pulpit in church, "Well, marriage is hard, and marriage is work, and marriage is work." It's oh goodness, you, you just turn off all the young people, why don't you? <laughs> you know, it's that is an erroneous statement. Because anything that hurts is not God, and he doesn't make mistakes. That implies that that statement directly implies that God did not know what he was doing. And God always knows what he is doing. You see, when you go to God, and he gives you the green light. It is good. Now, good is better than great, despite what the world says. Good is better than great. None is good but the Lord, the Bible says, and for he is perfect. And, and you know, I'm paraphrasing the scripture. So, good is actually, I mean, actually equates to being perfect. So, good is better than great. So, he, the Bible says... He who findeth a wife findeth a good thing and findeth favor with the Lord. Paraphrased again. He gives you a perfect gift. And then on top of that, he equips you with the Holy Spirit for those moments it gets interesting. Not hard, but interesting. So you see, to say that marriage is hard, most likely you did not or work. You most likely you did not marry your soulmate. But. It doesn't mean your relationship. Is not blessed. Because God honors marriage. He honors faithfulness. So therefore that is an erroneous statement. To say that marriage is work. When you do it God's way. When you allow him to take the reins. When you allow him to be in the driver's seat. On this journey, so even if you did not perhaps marry your soulmate, it is doable, and I hate to say that word, but it is workable. But most importantly, it can all and can also be blessed because he honors marriage. Now, soulmate, let me define what a soulmate is. A soulmate again is is I've I've mentioned this um I believe in another podcast, but it is someone who is specifically and specially made for you and you for them, and no one else will do. Now according to Genesis chapter two he told Adam, and it's not good for man to be alone. So let me go to the scripture. Hold on. And I'm going to read it verbatim. Okay. Now, in chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2 of uh, the Holy Bible in the Old Testament, and it restarting at verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man and God brought her to the man. Verse 23, I'll keep going. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of a man. 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, hence the word soulmate or spirit mate. It is that rib from your side that God removed while you were in a deep sleep, maybe not even thinking about a soulmate, maybe just focused on work. Maybe you were looking for a wife. See, if you spend time with God, He'll give you insight and revelation, especially that which, especially excuse me, that which is concerning your life, or especially that which concerns your life. So, hence the word soulmate or spirit mate. According to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21 and 22. Soulmates are factual. Now, if you did not go to God and allowed him to concur that this person is for you, I guarantee you, your marriage has been worked. Now, I don't want to depress you. Marriage is a beautiful thing. And God can help you. So, men are the four B's. Penis, protector, provider slash provision, and priest in the home. The marriage bed, you cannot negate the love factor from the marriage bed. One was never meant to be independent of the other, which is why fornication and adultery is such a terrible sin in in terms of living contrary to biblical principles. When they deal with men, they should lead in this area. Now women, I'm not saying that you you, you don't initiate and you don't you know that you, you know that's a good thing, you know <laughs> what I'm saying is a man should be the man should be good in bed. Not only should he be good in bed. He should be willing to compromise in the marriage bed. If she's into something, then you try to be into something. And ladies, if he's into something, then you should also try to be into, you know, that thing. Now, both parties, it has to be mutual. Should he feel uncomfortable or should she feel uncomfortable uh my well, you might need therapy it it should also be mutual, but compromise is a huge it's a big deal in the marriage bed because sex is ninety five percent of marriage and five percent communication and if you dare try and discredit what I said, then you ask a married couple and they will tell you you can go days, weeks without speaking. To your spouse, but you let that mood hit you. See how long you last. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Even you look, you could have sex when you're mad, but you're having sex. So, sex is ninety five percent of marriage, and five percent communication. God created sex for pleasure, for enjoyment, also for procreation. But for pleasure, and for enjoyment. A marriage cannot be sustained or maintained if the sex is bad. It it just cannot. It cannot. If the sex is bad, the marriage is in trouble. So men should lead in this area. Now, I have so much to cover, but let me say this. You have to know, as a gentleman, that women are emotional. We, are, we, we need affection. Affection is the prelude to good sex. It is the prelude. It is a prerequisite to a really good sexual experience. If you negate the affection from the intimacy, I guarantee you, your wife is not happy. And maybe neither are you because then it would be evident in the experience. So what is affection? Affection comes in many different forms. A gift for no reason. Just a compliment uh, out of the blue, it could be something as simple as sitting down, and when you're, you know, maybe you're just having dinner, and you notice, you know, a slight hair in her eye, and you say, "Honey," and you walk over, and you and you take your finger and you put it behind her ears. So affection comes in many different forms and fashion. It is maybe just, maybe you're just watching the football game and, you know, commercial time, you just take your hand and you put it on her lap. But women need affection. You cannot negate that from the relationship, nor intimacy. Because if it is not the prelude, then I guarantee you this woman is not happy. Women need that. Women need that. Now, in terms of the men, what they now some women they're not going to like this, but a man has an ego, whether you want to admit it or not, he has one and is not going anywhere so. It is about if you love this person, you wouldn't mind stroking his ego. If he's good in bed, tell him. If his meal was on point, listen. You know what to do. That you know. Listen. You got to show him, honey. You you killed it. You guilted at dinner time. You know if he's where if he's corporate, maybe he's an executive. Maybe you know he works in the mailroom. Whatever his current profession is, take interest, honey. What's going on with you? How was your day? Anybody bother you at work? Listen, all guns blazing. Who I need? To, who I need to go see? Who bothering you at work? Come on now. <laughs> you know, It it's a, it's something about stroking a man's ego. The way a woman wants to always be sought after and chased after and romanticized, well, a man needs to be stroked. He's, you know, he needs to be stroked. Okay? And it's not a terrible thing for a man to have an ego in this sense. You know it, men real men take pride in taking care of the ones he loves and that is part of ego and it's a good thing but women we you know we have to do our part. So the way you need affection and attention is the way he needs his ego stroked. So with this being said, the first p. Men should be good in bed. Both parties should be willing to compromise in the bedroom and be attentive to one another's needs. This is New Testament. This is Bible. Your body belongs to him, and his body belongs to you. The husband is to love the his wife as Christ loves the church. And what did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. Now that's going into protector, which is The next P, protector. As a husband, there should be some form of boldness and bravery on the inside as covering. You cannot be a wimp You cannot be a wimp in a relationship. You have to, because I, let me just explain. As a husband, you are on the front line in every way. You are covering not only for your wife, but the entire household, inclusive of the children. Which means spiritually, when things start to go chaotic or challenging or become a little, uh, just difficult because sometimes life happens and sometimes the enemy hates to see you happy. And so therefore he will try you. You are on the front line. You're on the front line. And if the head is weak, the whole body is exposed if the head is weak the whole body is left vulnerable if the head is weak the body is sick so you have to be a strong man protector you have to be are you willing to die for this woman if you say it's a no then this is definitely definitely not your soul mate And you do not love her. You do not love her. There are men, specifically servicemen, who go out every day. Police officers, law enforcement, firemen, who risk their lives for strangers. So how much more should you not risk your life life for your wife? So if you say it's a no, I wouldn't die for her. Then this is a problem. And you need to go to God to help you uh, resolve this feeling on the inside. If there, you know, I I don't condone divorce, but, you know, so therefore, you know, God has to. Lead you, and and you must keep him the center of the relationship, so this can so there can be a resolve in this area, protector. So it doesn't only mean fit in in a physical sense, but spiritual warfare is real. It is very real. So you need to cover her as protector in prayer. You need to be a prayer warrior. You need to know how to pray over your wife, for your wife, intercede for her, for your children, which will be, which will lead into the last P, the priest in the home. You cannot enter a marriage thinking it's all about sex. It, I mean, it's 95% of the relationship, but there are other entities involved. Other aspects, rather, that incorporate having a good marriage. Protector. You don't let the public ridicule her when there is no warrant. And if, there is, if, if it is warranted, I, I got this. No, you don't know. I got this. Maybe in church, maybe you're a celebrity, maybe at work, maybe you work together. You know, what, what have you, whatever the situation is. And what I mean by that is you don't let anybody uh, mock your wife. That is your better half. That is your other half. That is your boo. That is your first priority. Now, if it's warranted, when you get a home, you know, you have a conversation. And then you go to God in prayer. But you are her protector. You tell people, this is my wife, and you're not going to disrespect her. She needs to feel that from you. She needs to get that from you. God requires that from you as protector. So it's not only just in a physical sense. So you also must be a prayer warrior. You must cover her in prayer. Speak scriptures into her life, into her heart rather. Covering, Speak scriptures over her life, covering her in the word. Excuse me. If you never talk to God... Listen, it's not a good thing. Because that means you are leading this household blind. And that means the entire household is left wide open for the enemy. You're the covering. You're head of household. If the head is non functional, if it's If it's weak, the whole body is too. Leaving the entire household wide open. So you are protector. Provider slash provision. Now, I'm going to go to Genesis chapter... Chapter 2, verse 15 through 19, I believe. So you are provider slash provision. Before Adam had a wife, he had a job. God does not like a lazy attitude. The in Proverbs, throughout, listen. he, he They... He frowns upon a lazy attitude. And you have men pimping women, driving their cars, living in their house, spending their money. This is not a real man. Because a real man takes pride in taking care of the ones he loves. This is a sorry man. Listen, I raised my boy. You don't ever take money from a woman. Don't you ever. Sometimes, (laughs) you know, my son, he's a, you know, he's, he's, he's got a great mentality when it comes to relationships. I raised my son. I said, look, he wanted to start dating at like 15. I said, no, 16. I said, no. And then I said to you, even though 17 was for Kayla, the age was 17. Because I said, you know, it's a no. You're not dating under 17 years old. But, you know, he came to me. He was honest. He said, look, you know, I'm, I like this person, and et cetera, et cetera. I, he introduced me to the family. And I, and I, you know, you pick and choose your battles with your kids. When they confide in you and when they trust you and when they are trying to do the right thing, you know, you bend a little. So at 16, I said, fine. <laughs> <laughs> she went to church and then she joined that church and you know they're not together but she's a beautiful person but I said all this to say that a real man takes pride in taking care of the ones he loves okay you are provider slash provision. And before Adam had a wife, he had a job. let's go to the scripture. Chapter 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And let's go down to verse 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, That was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. So Adam's job was to take care of that of which God created and to name the animals and the creations. He had a job. And then, in the scriptures thereafter, God blessed him. With a wife, I told my son. We had a long talk one day. He said, "I want to, you know, I want a date." I said, "Well, you need a job because, <laughs> you know, women are expensive, and I'm not giving you popcorn money and movie money." <laughs> and I fixed that. <laughs> but you have to have a form of a form of stability. A game plan. You can't just go to God and say, I want to get married. You just can't go to your girlfriend and say, let's do this. It is imperative you are proactive. And the first step is speaking to God about your plans. So provide slash provision. Now, nowadays it takes two people in a home to work. For the most part, and most, women, most women now prefer to work which is which is good. It's good to be productive. But this is not a license to become lax in that area, gentlemen. You should still pay the bills. And and let me tell you something. If it's possible because sometimes, you know, you you're in a home and it takes both incomes to maintain But if possible, she should work and her money should be hers. Her money should, her money, listen, you are provider. You should, that's Bible. That is your responsibility. So as the head of household, it is your funds, taking care of the bills, the utilities, the rent, the mortgage, the car note, the car insurance. Now, I understand that we we're going through a pandemic, and 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 there has been talk of recession and things of that nature. It's getting better. It's getting worse. I don't. So sometimes they can't make up their mind. <laughs> the employment rate is up. The employment rate is down. But look, so I understand. God understands if it takes both parties to maintain the household, but you have men that get very lax in this area. Listen, you let her take her money and, you know, go on a vacation with her sister or, you know, let her take her money and, you know, invest in music lessons that she's always wanted as a kid or, you know, now, again, there's nothing wrong with both parties Maintaining the household nothing at all, but what I'm saying is men you cannot get lax and taking care of your responsibilities. you Are the one first Who should um, Who should be leading in the financial stability of the home Provider and young people You you must have stability prior to getting married. It is Bible. It's evident in the scripture I just read. Now you have a job. You also need a savings account. You have a savings account. Now you also need a place to live. Etc. Etc. Now I've heard people say, "Well, you know that stuff will come. Just just go ahead and do it." No. No, that is not no. You must have stability. You are head of household and you're providing a life for this woman. Her her parents are relying on you to take care of her and your children. So this is very important. Provider slash provision. The next priest. In the home. The last P. Priest in the home. As priest in the home. You are not only living by biblical principles. You have a standard. A high standard of morals and values. Not only are you enforcing it. And giving your children a foundation, your household a strong foundation and faith-oriented, God-oriented relationship with the Father. You are giving them a foundation of Jesus Christ. But you are also walking in it and leading by example. You cannot enforce rules in the house. And you're not leading by example. That is not cool. Because children especially, they do not normally do what you say. They do what you do. So it is important that you are a good priest in the home. You're enforcing biblical principles. You're walking in love towards your wife. And it's evident that the children can see it. And you are leading by example. You yourself are studying the Bible. You yourself are teaching the kids about God. You yourself are contributing in a positive way to the rest of the world. You're leading by example. Now, I'm going to stop here. So, to reiterate, men are the four P's. Penis, protector, provider, slash provision, priest in the home. If you lack in any of these areas, the Bible says go to God and ask for wisdom and he will give it to you generously. Now, women are noted noted as wisdom and love. But as head of the household, as covering for your family. It is imperative that you talk to God frequently, often, as much as possible. And it doesn't have to be fancy and clearish and, and, you know, informally. You know, me and, and listen, me and and God, we, I am so informal sometimes. I'm like, look, God, hey, God, how you doing? Listen, I love you. (laughs) You wearing sandals today? (laughs) Listen, it's just. Everybody everyone has their own way how to how they approach the throne. You find your little niche. You know? You find your little niche. Your groove with God. And you'll be just fine. And this has been the Lisa Angel podcast. Coming to you on this Sunday evening. It's now 5.04 p.m. And I'll be back after you next week with part two, brother. Uh, talking Faith with Lisa Ann Gile the Faith Fathers, and Forever Second Part Two should also be very informative. Um, I I apologize for being so monotone, but you know when I'm not on a hundred, <laughs> I'm just focused. So you all enjoy your evening. I will be back. I will uh, upload something on a Monday. It is a business segment and make me there yeah. t